You're listening to the Google Ads Podcast, brought to you by Solutions Aid, the Google Ads agency. I'm really excited about my guest today, Dan Beard. Dan, thanks for being here. I appreciate you. Hey, Kaz. It's uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And you're the founder and CEO of The Digital Custodian. That's you correct. You help software firms and digital marketing agencies with coaching and operations. Yes, operations, software development, digital marketing companies to help them get business done in a better way. Okay. And you and I were introduced by a mutual friend who I think is also your coach, right? She is my personal coach, Kelly Clements. Yeah. Yeah. I like when coaches have coaches because it lets me know that they actually believe in coaching. Absolutely. I I read a book that was talking about the, I think it was the coaching habit and it talked about if you believe in coaching so much, why don't you have a coach? And I got one like the next day and Kelly was the one I found and she's fantastic. Yeah, that's my first question to coaches always is, well, who's your coach? And if, yeah. you know, if I get a, well, I'm above that answer, or, you know, I'm beyond that. I, pay, I heard somebody say, well, I already paid my dues. And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm no not way. I, I'm like everybody else. I still have more to learn. And I, I don't have the ego that makes me think that I don't. So I am, I'm ready to learn and keep learning from other people. So. I love that. I, I, you know, I watched an interview that Matthew McConaughey did with Jordan Peterson, which is a really weird kind of mixture of personality. I never thought I'd see those two in a room together, but Peterson said, you can either fall in love with what you know, or you can fall in love with what you don't know. Right. And that was super profound. Like that's a, you know, go out on the patio and, you know, get drunk and think about that one. for a Right. Night. I've definitely fallen to the love with the stuff that I don't know, because I'm, I've been all of things all of the time. Uh, I love Jordan Peterson stuff. Just a wicked smart guy. Yeah, wicked smart. Cool. Well, you and I, so we hopped on uh, a phone call together and within like 10 minutes, I think I said the words, hey man, send me an invoice because right. you know what it was, but you just said something that really blew me away and I really appreciated. Half my audience is made up of agencies and the other half are business owners. So they could probably learn from you uh, as well, but I'm going to ask you to focus. Let's zoom in on the agencies because I know that's yeah. an avatar that we can, serve, uh, we can serve. The average agency is no bigger than 30 clients. We're at 200 clients. So we're actually not the average. We're quite a bit larger. And I'm not trying to brag. I'm just trying to put in context, you know, where I think our listeners may be. But what are the biggest errors and issues you see when you walk in on an agency, especially that size? And what are like the actionable can do right now, tactical steps they can take to improve those issues? All right. So the biggest things you see with these companies is, you know, it starts with one person and maybe they, maybe it's two people or a group of people that get together and like, hey, we're going to start this digital marketing company, this digital agency. We know how to do it. We can go get these customers. It's great. And they just grind. You know, they grind 40, 60, 80 hours a week, whatever it takes to get it done. And they grow and they get to a certain size. Something happens between 50 and 100 people and up to about a million dollars where they then hit the ceiling there is a limit that they hit and it's because there's no infrastructure in place. And when I say infrastructure, I'm talking about processes and systems and standards and practices, ways of doing business so that you're not making the same mistakes over and over again. I think about a tennis. Uh, one of the stats that I heard from tennis was 77% of points are won on unforced errors. So what I see with a lot of digital marketing companies that are hitting the ceiling is they have a lot of unforced errors that they could solve if they put some processes and practices and sometimes governance in place so that people can't just go willy-nilly and go cowboy and shoot things up all the time. So those are the things that I, I see the most. And that's when I get called in is, hey, we've hit the ceiling. We don't know what to do. We're grinding out 60, 80 hour weeks and we're really frustrated. What do we do? 
And that's where I come in. Yeah. And it, so I love the no unforced errors thing. That was a mantra for us when I was playing ball. And that's a really, really big deal. You know, I mean, that's what separates a good team from a great team. It's all just the fundamentals. I want to clarify something you said. The ceiling is a million dollars gross revenue. Well, it's yes. It's about that area. There's some yeah. turbulence that happens at a certain size, somewhere between 50 and 100 people getting close to a million dollars. There's some turbulence that happens. And sometimes you can break through. And sometimes you get hit the ceiling and come right back down a little bit. So I've seen companies that have gotten up to, say, 100 employees, but then retract down to 75 or 65 or something because uh, it's not sustainable the way they're trying to do business. Yeah, I, you know, I think that that million dollar mark, we saw that too. And it's funny because I hear people say like, oh, I serve six and seven figure entrepreneurs. And I'm like, those are two very different things that you just said. They are. They that's those different problems, different. And what's funny too is that, how, you know, I used to think like, oh, as soon as I have the money, like that'll cure all my problems. And that's also not true. Like there's, you know, there's some problems you truly can't just throw money at. And then there's yes. some problems where interestingly money makes it worse. You get too many cooks in the kitchen. It exacerbates the problem. You have too many consultants, too much software, too much. You know, there's that quote by Bill Gates, automation just highlights the inefficiencies of an inefficient system. Yeah. Um, or something. I screwed that up. So pretty close. What, where do we start? Like, let's say I'm watching this. Yeah. I'm, an, I'm an agency owner. I want to be more efficient. I want the processes. I want standardization to what I'm, what I'm doing. Like if I were to sit down with you and you're my consultant, where would yeah. we begin? Yeah, the first thing I, I asked, well, I really make a statement. I say, tell me about your continuous improvement framework. How do you improve? I don't have that. How, exactly. <laughs> and, and no one does. And, that, and that's the, the simple answer to it. So uh, how do you get better? You know, the concept of Kaizen, Japanese concept, broken into two words, Kai meaning change, Zen meaning like Zen, peace, good. So it's change for good. We loosely translate that to continuous improvement. And so takeaway for your, your audience right here, do you have a improvement framework? And if you don't, here's one for you a weekly tactical meeting, one hour to 90 minutes of the people who are on your team getting together and just simply talking about the problems you have. And it follows this structure. It's RIPE, R-I-P-E, review, identify, plan, and execute. So review, we're going to talk about the action items we had from the last meeting. We're gonna check in and see what was done. If those things were done, great. If they weren't, we can add it to another discussion item. Okay, so the I is then identify. Do this before the meeting. People bring the uh, problems that they're having and you discuss them. So this is the discussion portion. I always want to start with a problem statement. So it's not, I think we should adjust the way we do bids. It is our spending is out of control. We are going to be spending over our budgets we need to talk about what we can do. So instead of bringing a solution, bring a problem that everyone can discuss. So then after you've identified your uh, opportunities for improvement, it's planning. Okay, what are those action items that you're going to do? Make them smart, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, time-bound. Part of that is accountability because who is going to own that smart task? And they take that forward into the next week. They go and execute it. When you come back to the next week, you have identified a problem, you have a, attempted to make a solution for it, you check the results of that solution, and you see if you got the results you were looking for. This is scientific method. It's nothing really new. Mm. It's just applied in a business concept. Uh, That's all the concept. best stuff is the stuff where there's nothing really new. Yeah. Uh, 
I, everything I use, I use Slack. I'm sorry, Slack is the acronym, S-L-A-K-K. -K. You can find that. I was about to say, we site. use Slack, that's not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a little bit different. S-L-A-K-K, Scrum, Lean, Agile, Kanban, and Kaizen. So Scrum and Agile are from software development. Lean, Kanban, and Kaizen are all uh, from the Toyota production system, so or Lean manufacturer. I always thought Kanban was just the columns and you're just moving things between columns. There's more Kanban is, that's a Kanban board. Yeah, there's more to Kanban. There's Kanban okay. cards. So think about Starbucks coffee, right? It used to be when you walked into Starbucks, they picked up a cup and they would write on it. They would write your name, they'd write your order. They would pass that down. That's the work order. That's a Kanban card. They would pass that along. The next person would be able to, they'd been trained so they can read the card hmm. and they know what to make, okay? So that's a Kanban system as well. It's not on a board, digital board that you see, but it's a Kanban system as well. That's There's strange. lots of them. Yeah. yeah. So I was gonna say I always thought that the I always thought that the baristas at Starbucks were were like uh, court stenographers. Right. You know, like they had like the shorthand. Way, and it's it's not. And my wife worked at Starbucks for a long time. It's not an, an unsophisticated system. You know, right. she was explaining to me all the little nuances to things. My wife worked at Starbucks for years and. Yeah, there was a, there's a lot of training and manuals that go into that. Think of have you ever seen or heard of Mod Pizza? Yeah, I think there's one same called you, thing. you walk through the pro yeah, yeah. The exact same thing. They pull a card down, they ask you what you want, and they start circling it. You and know, then you've got multiple things. It's too heavy. I because I, I want all of it. It's like I want all of the things that you have. I can spend eight bucks and get whatever I want. Give it yeah, to me. That's amazing. But if you if you notice, they put the they've got a number tag that's a metal piece that goes on top of the pizza. They uh, put that number on the page, they write down your order and it passes along. The person doesn't necessarily go with you. It's really busy. Each person's been cross-trained on each section, So they know what to do in each section. They know how to read the orders and carry it through. So that's Kanban, yeah. So in a digital marketing agency, the analogy there would be every client has their, whatever it is, the, the, the workspace and the project management tool. And what I have noticed in quite a few agencies, because I've, I've had access to quite a few of their approaches, the project management tool is, is asset-based. So it's what is Kassim doing? What is Greg doing? What is Dan doing? It's not client-based. And I always thought that was a catastrophically flawed model because now you have to have somebody kind of playing quarterback, but it's very artificial as opposed to saying, we're going to make this client-centric. And now whatever Kassim, Greg, and Dan are doing inside of the client is done on the client project instead of in my own personal task list. I know that sounds like a nuance, but little changes like that have been made us far more productive than we were prior to. You just stumbled like right into one of my concepts. So uh, this concept of the digital marketing operating system, this thing that I'm working on falls right in. You're talking about systems, right? How do you structure your system? What's the data flow of your system? So if you start at the top with your customer and then you go into the functional parts of your organization, and it, but it all rolls back up to the customer, you, CEO, leader of your organization, simply can start at the customer and start drilling down into it to see everything that's been done. Now, everybody else, your strategists, work down at the lower level where they're doing SEM. You're doing SEM. That's all you really do, right? So they, everything they do, all the notes they keep can be kept in your system, but you can access it by going through. Say you get a call from a customer that's upset. Okay, I'm going to dig in, start at the top and start digging into everything that we've done for them recently. And mm -hmm. so that's one of the things is structuring your systems appropriately so that you can get that information and keep it stored uh, appropriately. Yeah. I do. I think that's a huge value bomb to start with the customer. 
because it's yeah. not your inclination because generally it's the technician building the SOPs and the technician is going to start with the technician. Like, oh, here's what I do. And now the SOPs are built for a person, but that doesn't allow for the distillation of information. And it doesn't really give you the, the ability to kind of slice and dice the data the way that you'd want to as a business owner. Because I can't see profitability, bandwidth, resources, projections, those things. Right. And when you systematize those things, you open up the opportunities to see it all uh, in visualization. So you talk about another uh, unforced error, visualizing your workflow, getting data out of it, and then optimizing for that data. Find the bottlenecks in your system and then turn those into opportunities to improve. Yeah, I love it. So I just interviewed Chris Mercer, who, if you don't know Mercer, he owns measurement marketing smartest data guy in the world, literally, like truly, he's the world authority in all things measurement. I think he's the most important voice in digital marketing. Dude, I, I should introduce you guys actually, because I think you'd have a lot to talk about. But one of the things that Mercer said, it really shamed me because he says that your reporting should be so clear that it requires no explanation. And the example that he offers is the speedometer on your car. It's like, you don't have to watch a tutorial to understand the speedometer on your car. You know, oh, slow down, speed up. You're reporting should be the exact same way. And that's reporting to clients, but internal reporting. And my reporting's not like that at all. I'm a data nerd. So I'm like, you know, I want to be Tony Stark back there with my three-dimensional whatever. And, <laughs> yes. and Mercer's like, no, dude. Like, and then the quote he had, I'm going to butcher it, but he said that it's easy to make things complex. It's really tough to make things simple. Yeah. And, I, you know, there's a trap that you can fall into. And I did it early in my career is to assume that there is one metric that will tell you the whole story. Mm. There's not. It doesn't exist. There's a... Each metric gives you a piece of the story. Now, the problem that I see when I go into customers mostly is I don't have a lot of metrics, if any, which is kind of scary because it is that same, you know, go-getter mentality. Anything that gets in our way, we just bust through the wall 68 hours a week. We don't care. But then you don't understand why things aren't working or why you can't go to the next level. There's no way to diagnose. There's yeah. nothing to diagnose. Yeah. yeah. And you start looking at your people and it's like, what do I pay all you people for? And the truth yeah. is, it's not their fault. You haven't given them the systems and the processes they need, the practices, the tools, all of the things that they need to be successful or to take you to the next level. So that's something that pisses me off about my peers. I hear that often. I hear people saying like, oh, there's no good people left anymore and it's impossible to find uh, good help. Yeah. And, and I'm just like, fuck you. Like <laughs> there are- Make them. Yeah. How, well, about, how about make them? Yeah. From, dude, and there's, dude, there's such phenomenal talent available. Like the, 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 the depth of human creativity astounds me. When I see the folks, the folks that work for me, the one superpower I might have is just finding people smarter than me and, and, and then conning them into working my agency. But dude, That's like, nope. they're amazing. They're amazing. I got an email yesterday from Glenn. Shout out to Glenn. He's a CM on our team. He's brand new. And he had like four ways that we were going to improve communication. And then he followed it up. This was the funny part. He followed it up with, hey, I hope I'm not overstepping. And I thought that was so funny because that's the personality we've embedded into business. It's it like, I don't care if you're making things better. Don't step on my toes. And I just think that's so short-sighted. You want to talk about the absolute opposite of that. There is a company, and you go on YouTube and look for FastCap, F-A-S-T-C-A-P, one word. Paul Akers is the owner of that. And they follow lean manufacturing uh, processes. Their job... They make it a requirement of everyone on their team, everyone, every single day when you walk in, you are required to make an improvement. You have to. This is the total opposite of it. Like we, we, we're coming out of the 20th century mindset of leadership, which was command and control. The smart people are up. 
we're directing you from the top. That's over. We're not mm -hmm. going to do that anymore, especially after COVID. People don't want to be told what to do. If you go to um, Dan Pink and his book, Drive, also a great TED talk by Dan Pink called The uh, Puzzle of Motivation. I was confused him with Steven Pinker. For, for no Pinker's like, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Dan they're Pink, kind Steven of in Pinker the same circle and they both they got are. Yeah, that's right. So Dan Pink talks about uh, for employees, autonomy, mastery and purpose, right? These are the three intrinsic motivators that you really want to foster in your organization. Purpose. What is our common goal? What are the things we're all working towards? Mastery, the ability to be good at something. And then autonomy, to be self-directed and, and empowered. It's like your employee felt empowered to go and try something. You hire a lot of smart people, let them be smart. Yeah. If you've got them sitting around pushing buttons all day, they're monkeys. Why do you, you don't, they don't need a college degree for that. Yeah. You know, if you're just pushing buttons all day, doing the same thing repetitively, it's a waste. It's a waste That's of time. That's my big fear, man, yeah. is as we grow, you know, like when we're small, when we were at 20 employees, I felt really comfortable knowing that I could control, control is the wrong word, but let's say influence the culture. I had a strong influence on the culture. We're at 70 employees now. That means that there's entire departments that I'm never even involved in. You know, like there's folks that I, I outside of our Friday, we have a, a weekly meeting together. Outside of that meeting, like I'll never really interact with these folks. And now I have to trust that, that the culture trickles down. You know, it's like Reaganomics for culture. And, <laughs> and I don't know that it's doing that. You know, like I, I want to make sure that everything that I say, because, you know, I, I, it's easy to jump up and be like, oh, truth, responsibility and love. Those are our three values. But how do you how do you embed that into the DNA? Truth, responsibility, and love. It's in that order, can, by the way. The truth, and I get fought on this a lot. I'll go to war. Truth is the yeah. most important thing. I teach my children. Yeah. yeah. Followed by because without truth, like everybody's like, well, love's the most important thing. It's not. If you've ever been loved by a parent that doesn't tell the truth or isn't responsible, you find out very quickly that oh, love is actually not that helpful in life. Truth is the most important thing. Without truth, you don't have context. You don't know where you're standing. You don't know where you are. You don't know where anything else is. Well, Responsibility truth. is the second most important thing because it makes sure that truth isn't impotent. And then mm -hmm. as long as you do that, and I'm not saying it's most important in terms of hierarchy, it's most important chronologically. Maybe they're equally important, but truth has to come first. Responsibility has to come second. Love has to come third. And, yeah. and some people don't like love. So you could say heart. I don't care. Yeah. Heart, caring, empathy, any of yeah. those, that would work. Take, and I, we're on the same page. Absolutely. I think honesty is a value. It's a core value of mine. As honest as you can be, there are instances where it's hard to be really honest. With somebody. Yeah. Do I look fat in this dress? Yeah. That, sure. Those are things. But because, and honesty is the foundation. The next layer up is trust. If you are honest with somebody and you're consistent, they trust you. The next layer up from that is conflict. We can now, because we are honest with each other and we trust each other, we can have positive can conflict. <laughs> yeah. The next step is accountability. Well, these are the five dysfunctions of a team. That's uh, Patrick Lencioni's book. You should definitely look at that one. But it goes exactly what you're saying. These are the foundation of healthy teams, right? So how do you affect your culture? Well, this, what I teach leaders is you set guidelines and expectations. When you go into a meeting, you don't solve problems anymore. Your, your job is to listen to the problems. You start and you're a catalyst for the conversation and you set the guidelines. Hey, this is the problem we're having. It is causing these uh, issues with our company. I need a solution that is going to fit within this box. Go. Mm. And, and use your core values. If, if one of your solutions falls outside of our core values, instant out, no, it's not good enough. Start over, do again. 
you know, those things. So it's the empowerment side of it all. And when you do that, so take that weekly tactical meeting. If you have a leader in there who is like starting the conversations, but then the team is having those conversations, they get used to that, um, that process and they get used to working together. That is a culture. When your team, I have one team I'm working with right now. I just graduated them from me attending every one of their weekly meetings. They're laughing during their meetings. They're working, but they're laughing. So they actually enjoy the work that they're doing. They enjoy the people that they're working with. That is work culture. That's great. My big fear is that I'm actually Michael Scott and nobody's telling me. I want people to be afraid of With better Scott. hair though, right? Yeah, with Michael much Scott better. I, I mean, Steve Carell's hair, you know, in, in season one, actually, he had to have gotten plugs. Did you notice that? No. Because in season one, he didn't have great hair. And then after that, I thought I thought he did a great job. So, yeah. yeah. Um, God bless Steve Carell. I didn't mean to just out him. Who knows? Who knows what really happened? <laughs> I and, think he's fine. Yeah. I think he's doing just I think great. he's just fine. How can people work with you, Dan? Well, you can find me at thedigitalcustodian.com. Also check me out on LinkedIn, Dan Beard, The Digital Custodian. And give me a call. I'd love to hear about people's problems. As a matter of fact, leave a comment down below because there might be issues that we could talk about in the future that are along this line that I think I've probably dealt with before. So it'd be great if people would leave a comment. Yeah, it's funny, man. I keep trying to pay you and you keep turning me down. Like, I mean, it's not a value. I'm like, hey, let's, you know, let me, whatever. And you're, you're interesting that way. So hopefully you, at some you, point you start charging me. Did you ever, I'm trying to think the, the name of the movie. I, I can't remember it, but the, the guy kept, keeps trying to tip him. And he says, don't worry about it. And it's like, at the end, he's like, when the time comes, you'll know when you need to pay me. We're not there yet. There's going to be a time where you're going to be like, hey, Dan, I'm ready. And we'll sounds like it's not the movie, but it sounds like something the wolf would say from Pulp Fiction. Okay. Yeah. And the truth is, I just enjoy the conversations. I love hearing that other people have the same issues and I love giving out solutions too. So not all for free all the time, but I love the conversations. I like people. So yeah, I like people too. I like you. You're a badass, man. I appreciate you coming on. I like on. you too. I yeah. appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Let's do it again. Thanks for listening to the Google Ads podcast. For more ways to grow your business with Google Ads, you can subscribe to the Solutions 8 YouTube channel. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to work with the best Google Ads agency in the world, you can visit Solutions 8 at sol8.com. Custom here. If you're running Google Ads, even if your campaigns are successful, my years of experience have taught me that there are almost always enormous improvement opportunities. Now, what if the best Google Ads agency in the world was willing to review your Google Ads campaigns for free and provide you with a comprehensive action plan, no cost or obligation? Notice, I didn't say audit or evaluation. I said action plan a bullet point by bullet point breakdown of exactly what needs to be done to improve your Google Ads campaigns. Yours to keep, no cost or obligation. Head over to solate.com to get a free Google Ads action plan customized for your business. No strings attached. That's S-O-L-8.com. S-O-L, the number 8.com.